What is up, book lovers? Welcome back to Hey, I'm Writing, the podcast where we're taking a behind-the-scenes look at the publishing industry and talking about the messier side of the publishing world that people don't usually talk about and getting to know some really amazing authors and their origin stories of how they came to be within this industry. Now, today we are hanging with Scarlett Cole, who is a dear friend of ours over at Young Adult Edition, our weekly live broadcast talk show over on Facebook Live. And she is going to be chatting all about how she got into publishing, her very interesting start within the publishing world. And we're going to be chatting about some amazing retellings that she has created. Now, I am so excited to hang out with her again. If you guys have not checked out her episode of Young Adult Edition, you want to make sure that you do that because so much fun. And we are going to dive in and talk with Scarlett all about how she got started within the industry. Scarlett Cole, I am so excited to have you. Welcome to Hey, I'm Writing. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited because you've actually been a guest on Young Adult Edition, our live broadcast talk show. If you guys haven't seen the episode, make sure you check that out. And we got to meet at PenCon this year. How fun was that for you? It was awesome. I just love when I can get to go to events and see a bunch of authors. And there were so many people that I had met I met online um, that uh, I finally got to meet in person. And it's really strange when you interact with someone online and then you meet them and they like give you a hug and you've never actually met in person before. <laughs> kind of like online dating, but without the pressure. <laughs> I like that. That's actually very true. We were all very buddy-buddy when we hung out, but we hadn't actually met in person. So it was a lot of fun to kind of meet people that we saw online. And I know you've got quite a few books. You had a gorgeous table at PenCon. So before we jump in and talk about your books, I do want to know, how did you end up getting your first book published? Because I know it was a bit of an interesting journey for you. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so I had been writing for a while and um, my first book, I did want to go a more traditional route with that. So I worked on querying and I sent it out. Um, the problem was I'd written a paranormal right after the whole Twilight craze. So it did get a little difficult. I got a lot of the, uh, we won't touch paranormal right now. Thank you, but no thanks. Uh, so that was tough. Uh, however, I did manage to sell it to a small publisher, which was really exciting. And uh, so I'm super pumped that I sold it and I was in the queue for the following year. I was really, really excited. And then all of a sudden they bumped me to the fall because they had some other paranormal offerings that they had to shuffle around with some other authors. So um, they didn't want to release all paranormal. So they moved me to the fall, which I was totally fine with. I understood that business decision. Um, and then we started on edits. And then unfortunately the editor's father passed away. Um, so the edits ended up dragging out a little longer than we expected. Um, and then we finally got everything done. I got my cover, I was really excited. Um, they said they were sending over a galley. If you don't know what a galley is, it's um, basically your final proof of what the print copy was gonna look like. I was really excited. I get a phone call from the editor. I'm like, the galley's in the mail, right? They're like, actually, we're closing. And I was completely devastated. It was like less than a month before the book was supposed to be released and um, yeah, I ate a lot of ice cream and was completely devastated. I think the only thing keeping me going was that I had sold another book to another publisher at this point that was set to come out the following year. Um, so I at least was able to kind of ride on that a little bit. So after that happened, um, I sulked for a little while and then I started querying again. Um, I started querying a few places. And then at that point, I actually decided, you know what? 
I've already gone through the editing process and everything's ready to go. I think maybe I should just put this out myself and go indie. I always knew I would probably be, um, at least no matter what I did, that I would go indie at some point, even with part of my career, if I was hybrid or anything, just because uh, I really like seeing all the different parts of the process and I'm definitely an A-type personality, so I kind of like that control too. Uh, so I was like, you know what, forget this. I'm just going to independently publish this book. And I'm like, I'm not sending any more queries. Um, so I registered a press name. And the day I paid for my registration, I, my, the last query I sent out said they wanted my book. So um, I didn't end up. So I did end up going with them as well. Um, and they wanted to release it actually two days after my first book, my second book, which was now my first book. Um, they wanted to release it like two days after that other book. So um, it all kind of came really fast. And I'm like, can we like wait a couple weeks, please? <laughs> Give me a bit of a break in between. Um, so my debut novel came out February 13th and my second novel, which was actually my first novel, which I completed before I even started writing the other one, um, came out on March 3rd of 2018. So it was a bit of a whirlwind right off the bat. That's incredible. Wow. And that's really close to have two novels out at once, especially as a debut. So as someone who's been through quite a bit to get your first couple of books out, what did you learn in those early years that might be able to benefit our listeners? Um, I learned quite a few things uh, through the process. First off, that um, things are never going to work out how you expect them to. Uh, publishing moves very slowly and then moves very quickly. All of a sudden you're not doing anything and then all of a sudden edits are due and we need everything out and it's going to be up and here's your cover and oh my gosh we're released so um it's very feast or famine in the publishing industry which was one thing uh one of the things i learned through that process and i'm kind of glad that the editing process took a while was um i didn't know what i didn't know like i was a debut author and i had written this book and i really liked it and had some really great a great story to it but there was a lot of craft things that I was missing as a debut and I didn't realize that the things that I didn't know like there was I still used a lot of passive voice I still um, you know I still can't use a comma it doesn't matter how many books I put out I still can't use a comma but um, the editor that I had with that first publisher was absolutely ruthless and um, she went through everything very very detailed and um, we also had some disagreements on how the character um, the temperament of the character. So I learned a lot about what hills you want to die on and what ones you don't. Um, and just learning how to deal with an editor in general. Like I had to reach out to some other writer friends because it's it's hard to get things back from an editor. Even, even if you're paying that editor from an indie perspective to have somebody tell you, you know, like this doesn't work or you're wrong or um, this idea doesn't quite play out the way you would imagine it to is a hard thing to take, especially on something that you've spent years and years and years working on. So um, one of the things I had to learn was taking in that advice, learning how to take it in properly without being offended, trying to see what those issues were and then deciding what was really important and what mattered most to me in the story and that I needed to fight for and what was something that maybe I should just let that go. So that was kind of tough. And rejection will happen to everyone. There is no way to get around it. And it hurts. And you eat your chocolate. And then you move on. 
That is so true. I want to dig in a little bit because you mentioned that your editor didn't necessarily agree with you on all these things, and that can be a little hard to receive. So what advice do you have for listeners on how to work with an editor if maybe you don't see quite eye to eye and maybe you're a little hurt by some of the comments? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that uh, you need to do is first off, take a step back. Any The first time you hear editor's comments, the best thing to do is do nothing. <laughs> Let it sink in let yourself absorb it, let your brain go through it a few times, um, and then read it again. Sometimes it's not as harsh as you think it is the first time you read it. Um, secondly, if there's something that you are really passionate about, um, take a look at what the editor's advice is. Maybe the suggestion that they're making isn't the correct fix for it, but there's still something wrong with what's there. And that's one of the hard things that I had to learn. And it's a bit of a skill of kind of reading between the lines on what they're trying to tell you. Just because they're saying there's something wrong with this scene and you should insert wild elephants from from the Amazon um, doesn't mean that that's the correct answer for that situation. It just means something isn't reading right there. So being able to learn to look into that, try and figure out what doesn't make sense to them, and then deciding, okay, is this something I can fix? How can I fix it? Or deciding that this is something that was really, really important to me. The big issue I had with the editor with that one was the relationship between the mother and daughter. Um, my, the mother says a few things that are kind of, um, I don't know, she found them that they were a little too harsh, whereas I was coming from the perspective of the mother in my first book is quite young and she had her daughter quite young and they have a very, um, you know, best friend almost relationship. So she speaks to her a little bit more colloquially than, um, you know, maybe a, a different mother-daughter situation would be. Um, so, you know, how I dealt with that is I checked with other people. I asked other readers. I explained, um, you know, this is her side that she's coming from. And I really tried to understand it. And this is the side that I'm coming from. And, uh, you know, I went through all of those things and uh, then came to the conclusion whether or not certain things needed to stay. So in some places, yes, I did soften some of the language. And then there were certain things that, you know, had an impact and meant something. And I was like, no, I really don't want to change it. These are the reasons I don't want to change it. So making sure that you have a good reason and can explain it also helps because even if they don't agree with you, they might at least be able to understand. And I really like that you said that you didn't just rely on your own opinions and your own interpretations. You took it to people that you trusted and asked their opinions and made sure that you listened to them as well. So as an author, how have you built a tribe of people around you that you can lean on for support in situations like this? Well, I have a few different uh, different groups of people that I lean on. I have a group of readers. Um, some of them are family members or, you know, prolific readers that I've just encountered or they've been fans and they've been um, interested in reading more books and I've just kind of asked them questions and I've kind of built that through my Facebook reader group. Um, I have, there's some local writers here as well. They do events. Basically how I got in, involved with them is they used to have a conference here. Um, our, we used to have a Comic-Con. I'm in Winnipeg, Manitoba. They used to have a big Comic-Con here and they start, the writing panel starting to taking up a lot of the time. So they started doing their own writing conference and they brought in like Kelly Armstrong and Julie Kagawa um, and it was really, really great. So I got to meet some of the Manitoba authors there uh, on a very small level because it's a very, very small conference. And um, I kind of stayed in touch with a few of them. So um, 
I can kind of ask them questions as well, kind of on social media or through Twitter, or, you know, I saw them at Starbucks. Uh, so that makes that very easy. Plus, I have a very, very core group of writer friends. I met them at the uh, Romantic Times Book Lovers Convention kind of over the years, um, starting in 2015. And we communicate basically on a daily basis. We're all over the place, Texas, Florida, Canada, Michigan. And um, yeah, they're really, really great. They're all writers, some published, some traditionally published, like agent, the whole nine. Um, so we kind of have very, very different perspectives. And it's a really, really good sounding board for, you know, when you know, that stuff you can't say on social media, I can tell them um, and they're going to come back to me. We've had some issues with other friends where, you know, they've had some issues on social media uh, where things went badly and it was something that they, somebody that they could talk to and deal with and they understand. Um, a lot of people who aren't writers don't always understand or understand the gravity of certain things that you do. Um, so it gets a little bit difficult. The people I do find that do understand it really well are actually marathon runners. <laughs> marathon runners really seem to understand the writing process, that um, being alone and working towards a goal that may mean nothing to anyone else. But uh, yeah, so those are basically my three main groups, my author group here, uh, my author group online, and um, basically my reader group. So. You made a very good point that there are certain things in the writing industry that people outside of the writing industry just don't understand. So if you could say one really important thing for people to understand about being an author to someone who is trying to become a published author, what would that be? How hard it is. Like how everybody, a lot of people get their, you just sit there and make stuff up. Like how hard is that? It takes a lot of brain power. It's tiring, actually. If you write for long periods of time or during the day or you're trying to get through a plot hole, you can be exhausted because it does take up a lot of brain power and it's probably different muscles than you're used to using during the day. I'm an accountant during the day, so I'm very different sides of my brain when I get into writing. And uh, it can take up a lot of energy and it can be really, really frustrating. One of the things that a lot of people also don't understand from the outside is just because you're frustrated doesn't mean you hate it. Um, a lot of people are like, well, you did this to yourself or you wanted to write a book. This is what you love to do. How can you be angry? And it's like, but it's still hard and it's still frustrating sometimes and it's still work. Um, you know, just because I love it and this is something that I like to do and I'm making this all up, you're making it all up. It's all on you, on your shoulders and it's a big weight to carry sometimes. That is so very true. So as someone who's been in the industry for two years now, what would you go back and tell your debut self about what you're going to experience? I would tell my debut self that um, sometimes reviews suck <laughs> and that's okay. Um, and uh, the one thing I've cultivated over time, I always try to tell myself if I ever get a bad review is if you ask that person what their top five favorite movies were, you probably wouldn't agree with them because you clearly have different tastes and that's okay. Um, I don't like when people are overly harsh because sometimes people are just mean on the internet, but you know, everybody is entitled to their opinion and there's books that I don't like and that's okay. And I'm not everybody who reads my book is going to like it and that's okay. Um, secondly, I would tell myself to get a review buddy. <laughs> um, that's basically somebody who would go on to Goodreads or Amazon, check out those reviews, send you the ones that are good and the ones that are bad, being able to pull out the really good information because 
sometimes a bad review is like, hey, world building could be a little bit better. That's a whole lot easier to take from someone you know than, ew, this was awful, I hated the world building. So um, getting a review buddy is huge, I think, um, that everything is going to come about it, come about really fast all of a sudden as soon as you release and then it's going to die off very quickly. Um, you get maybe 15 minutes if you're lucky uh, for interest. The other thing is that keep writing. The problem with a debut is there's so much marketing that goes into a book as soon as it's released that trying to find that balance between getting back into writing is very, very difficult. I didn't, especially with two books coming out that quickly, I didn't write for a very long time. So, because I was always marketing and you feel like you're doing something because you are marketing, you are doing book work. So you feel like you're doing something, but then all of a sudden you turn around and it's been eight months and you haven't produced anything new and somebody's asking for the next book and all that sort of thing and you've got nothing. So that's just keep writing even small little bits um, and uh, marketing will take up a lot of your time. And the other thing that I learned and it was a really, really harsh lesson is the only person who cares that much about your book is you. <laughs> um, my friends and my friends and family are super, super supportive and they're really, really great. But after a while, it gets tiring for them. They aren't in that world. They don't live with these characters in their heads all the time. Um, and it can get kind of tedious for them to be hearing about it all the time. It's almost like a bad Tupperware party when you're constantly like either pushing your book or talking about your book or all of this kind of thing. And um, it's hard not to take offense to it because you're so excited. Like this is like your baby, but um, you know, they have other things going on in their lives and it, it's hard not to take offense to it, but you have to realize that nobody really understands the work and the effort and everything that you've put into it than maybe other writers and yourself. So, you know, there are some people who think I whipped some of these books up in like a weekend not true. <laughs> so um, they don't understand the gravity that it has for me and they won't until they do something like that. And that was a hard thing for me to understand because I was kind of expecting everybody to be excited and they're like, yay, that's cool. What's next? Right. Or when are you going to have the next book in like two weeks? <laughs> I think that's definitely a tough lesson and we all have to learn that we kind of expect people to be excited for us and they're not quite as excited as we are. And yeah. it definitely takes more than a weekend to write a book. So what does your writing schedule actually look like? Uh, my writing schedule is kind of sporadic. Um, I, like I said, I do have a full-time job. I have two kids that are in dance and hockey um, and they're super busy and my husband travels a lot. So um, when he does travel, I tend to get lots of writing, in, um, which is great. Uh, but I'm trying to be a lot more consistent. I actually write better during the week just because I've kind of got that routine going on um, than I do on the weekends because the weekends can kind of be all over the place. Um, what I do is I, do, I am a plotter. So I will, um, once I come up with an idea, I will kind of do bits and pieces all over the place and then I will plot. Um, I use Excel spreadsheets. I have colors. I have pie charts where my beats should be. I am a super dork when it comes to that stuff. Um, but it makes sense to me, especially if I do go through periods at work where it's budget or something like that and I can't write, um, it's easier for me to get back into the story if I've plotted in detail, uh, as opposed to trying to remember where I left off. So, um, I will do that. I do calculate out how many days it's supposed to take based on my word count, um, 
my expected word count per day. I usually try to write a minimum of a thousand words a day during the week. Um, I usually do exceed that, but it's kind of like a, a bare minimum. So I feel like I've achieved something, but if I don't get to a lot of writing, then that's okay. Um, and like I said, I, I also don't plan to write on weekends, even though I almost always write on weekends, um, just because it kind of gives me these bonus words. One of the things that I fell um, into the trap of when I started writing is I would have these grand goals of like, oh yeah, I'm totally gonna do like 6,000 words a day and I'm gonna be done this book in like a month and people do it all the time and it's not a big deal. And I, I can't do that. I'm actually a relatively slow writer. I think through my stuff in detail um, I have trouble when I do word sprints with friends because they'll double or triple my word count in 20 minutes. And um, that's just not who I am. So I try to work with who I am and what I can do. Um, but I would get into these things where I would be like, oh yeah, I can totally do 6,000 words. And then I wouldn't do 6,000 words. But then the next day I need to do 12,000 words, which is just not going to happen for me. Um, and then I would just get really sad because I wouldn't meet my deadlines that I had set for myself. And uh, it was just this cycle of feeling awful. Um, so, you know, keeping small goals and just trying to be consistent, um, and, you know, marking off days where it could really go either way. Like I have weekends where, you know, I do get a lot of writing done, but then there's some where it's like, I can't even get near a computer. I've got too much stuff going on and I didn't even know it was coming until it all just kind of hit. So, um, this way it gives me, it, it makes me feel accomplished because I can usually get ahead of my deadlines, but if I don't. I know when it's going to be done. I have an end in sight, light at the end of my tunnel, and that's kind of where I can work. So it sounds like as a writer, you kind of have a lot of processes established for yourself to make sure you're getting things done properly and you're keeping track of everything. Can you tell me what your computer screen looks like as you're writing? Do you have a lot of windows open? Do you work with a lot of programs? What do you do to stay on target? I love Scrivener. I am a Scrivener person. Um, even though I don't actually write much in Scrivener anymore, I use it to organize everything. Um, so I will have uh, character um, outlines and uh, all that sort of stuff in there. My plot is usually done in Excel, but I will print it out um, as I'm working through it once it's done, just because I like markers. So <laughs> I like to cross things off and highlight them and check things off so I know I've completed it. I usually have a notebook beside me where I will keep notes um or things that i want to change or anything like that so i can i'm trying i'm trying to get better at not going back as i'm drafting um so i'll leave myself notes to do that later as opposed to trying to find something eight chapters ago of somebody's cat's last name or something um so i will have a notebook i will have my outline that's printed i will usually have scrivener open um I also write kind of sporadically, so I'll go into work a little bit early or I'll work on my lunch break. So one of the things I've been using a lot now is Google Docs. So um, I'll use Google Docs on my phone, which I can do with my work computer, which I can do with my home computer, but in the end it all goes back into Scrivener. Um, and I usually, I sometimes use dictation as well if I need to get something out right away. So I'm using Dragon Anywhere on my phone, which I will transfer into Google Docs, which will come back into Scrivener. So uh, it's probably a lot of steps that I don't really need, but, um, I like the output that Scrivener has. I like how I can edit in it. I like how I can move things around. Um, so I don't, until I can find a tool that will integrate things a little bit better, um, I don't think I'm ever getting rid of it. Um, but the Google Docs is really great to be able to move dictation between my computers very quickly uh, and very easily. So We'll be right back with more from author Scarlett Cole, but first, a word from our affiliates. 
A good book helps you engage all of your senses. It's how we experience the world that we're reading about. But have you ever wanted to actually use your senses to experience the books that you're reading? Willow Ridge Candles actually allows you to do this with their books collection. Now, whether you are looking for a specific book or you are looking for the writer world in general, Willow Ridge Candles has the perfect candle scent for you. And if you use code writing15, you'll actually get 15% off of your order. Head on over to willowridgecandles.com to check out the perfect scent for you, whether you are setting up your reading area or your writing area. P.S. I actually use them for my own book collection, so if you happen to be an author and you would love to have your character sense or the scenery within your books set as a candle, you can set up a personalized, customized candle set to go with your books, and they actually have a couple of different ways of doing that. So head over to willowridgecandles.com and check out what they have going on over there and use code WRITING15 to get 15% off of your order. Okay, let's jump back in. When you're world building within your stories, do you kind of keep that in your notebook as well so that you know what's going on and where things are going and what you need to keep track of? Or do you kind of just remember as you go? Um, I usually keep notes. I will have an outline of what my setting is. Um, I have notes on all of my chapters as to you know, where, it's, where it's happening, if there's anything key things from the setting that I need to have. Um, when I'm plotting, I will do like full world building of what I expect um, that I'm going to need in there. But actually a lot of my world building stuff comes as I write. That's one of those things that I will plot out the bigger things, but a lot of those little details usually come as I write. And even though I do plot, a lot of my plots will change as things happen. Or somebody will say something that I'm not expecting them to say, and then all of a sudden the next chapter is going to change. And um, I know that that's going to happen, and uh, I make room for that, and you just roll with it. Do your characters try to take over a lot? Um, sometimes, sometimes. Mercury Rises kind of did that just in general. Um, the whole book, I kind of started in paranormal, and that's kind of where I wanted to stay. And uh, so I kept trying to make the book paranormal, and it kept telling me that, no, this is not that story, and it's not going to happen. So I just sucked that up. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. I know for myself, my characters like to come in and kind of command what's going to happen. And I have to argue with them a little bit. So <laughs> it's one of those fun author moments, I think, right? Oh, for sure. Mine definitely say things that I wasn't expecting them to say. However, usually and so far, it's been positive in that it's like, oh, so I wasn't expecting that works. I like that. But, <laughs> Always uh, a good thing. Yeah, but we'll see. I'm sure somebody's going to come in and mess me up one day. <laughs> I'm sure they always do. <laughs> do you have any advice for people who are kind of trying to combat their characters and the things that they say that they aren't expecting? Um, probably just to see where it goes. You can always cut things later. You can always edit and change things. But, um, you know, if you are a plotter, you know, go back to your plot. Take a look at it. Does it make sense with what you're doing? Uh, or... You can always cut it later in editing. The other thing I've done before, too, is um, the book that I'm currently editing right now that'll come out next year, I wrote two different scenes. Like, I wrote the scene two different ways um, just because I wasn't really sure how I wanted it to go. Like, I, when I wrote the scene originally, I fully intended it to go a specific way. Um, it would be a major spoiler if I told you. Um, but 
I wanted it to go a specific way. And then after I did that, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. And the way the conversation went, it could have totally gone this other direction. So I actually just wrote both. And then um, as I've gone through the editing process, I decided what made the most sense for the story and then went with that one. Um, I did actually go back to the original, but I'm probably going to save that other piece for, you know, maybe up on my website or something later as an extra reader for my newsletter subscribers. I was going to say that sounds like an amazing freebie to give away to some of your fans to kind of get them interested in the book or a behind the scenes after they've read the book. Absolutely. Are you a big are you a big fan of giving out these bonuses and behind the scenes to your fans? Um, I do like to do that when I can. Um, the only thing is I don't usually don't have a lot of them is the problem. Um, I did send out a uh, flash fiction short for Halloween and I have sent out deleted scenes from Wicked Scent before, but I typically don't have a lot of deleted scenes or they're just really bad bad. And that's why they were deleted. <laughs> so, um, but I have done that before. And I think probably in this case, uh, for Sleepless, I will probably save that other scene and send it out or post it at some point. I really like it as a reader. Um, I've done that before. I was one of those people that when they did the um, Midnight Sun, that was the background on Twilight from Edward's point of view. That was on uh, Stephanie Meyer's website. I was all about that. Um, there's a series that I read by Catherine Doyle called the Blood for Blood series, which is fantastic. And um, she, it's about a mafia family with like four brothers, and but it's from a the female's perspective. And uh, she put a bunch of scenes written from the different brothers' perspectives all over her website. And I just sat on there for days. It was great. So I love it as a reader. If I could do more, I would. As an author, do you find that you fangirl over other people's books? All the time. Um, one of the uh, comps for Mercury Rises is the selection series. And I remember I read the selection series in like three days and I was at a hockey tournament and my kids, my husband and my kid was, were asleep. And I sat in like the vanity of the bathroom with the door open just slightly so I could have light and not wake anybody up um, and read like all night because I wanted to get through these books and I love them. And then I went to a conference and got to do an event with Kiara Cass and I just lost my mind. <laughs> and uh, I just started like completely freaking out and was a complete loser. But, um, you know, I thanked her for that. And it was so amazing just to meet her. And she was so down to earth and so nice and so fantastic. Um, I also met Katie McGarry before, who I absolutely adore. And, um, you know, it was great. And she actually gave me one of the best writing tips I've ever had. So um, it was really, it's really awesome to see those people. And it's really cool because when they meet you as an author too, they treat you slightly differently. It's like, oh, you get it. You understand. So they, they're a little bit more um, familiar with you, I think, than they are with some of the fans. So... So now I know you write a lot of retellings and we actually had a fan question for you. Hey Scarlett, what made you decide to do retellings? Well, there was actually two things that happened there. Uh, the Robin Hood retelling was essentially, I was trying to kill time in between projects. I had figured out what I was going to write for NaNoWriMo that year. And I didn't want to start it early because it was July. And um, I needed another project, but I was kind of so focused on this other one that I was having trouble coming up with something to write. So I, one of the websites that I go on very frequently is Fiction University and they had um, an author on there talking about 
using different story structures to um, create your own story and doing different retellings. So I started looking into stories that I'd like to rewrite and I came across Robin Hood and uh, it was actually supposed to be this like cute little rom-com kind of the duff sort of story. And then um, that's a whole other tangent of how that got going. But basically that's why I started doing this Robin Hood retelling, which I really liked. Um, then I got a little bit deeper into it because I saw this box set called uh, Kingdom of Glass and Ashes, which was just retellings of Cinderella. And I contacted one of the people in charge and I said, I want to be part of the next one. You need to tell me when the next one's coming out. And they actually did. <laughs> and so I got involved with um, two fairy tale box sets for that because I really, really love fairy tales and I wanted to be able to be a part of that and get to meet some other authors. Um, and do something else as well. I also wanted to try and tie back into more of that fantasy stuff that I wanted to write because Mercury Rises is so not a fantasy book and it's not uh, a paranormal book, which is what I normally do. Uh, so I kind of wanted to bring that back through my brand of I kind of do retellings as well as paranormal and kind of make it all make sense. So it was marketing and love and all these great things. Now, I know you mentioned that you are involved in a lot of box sets. How has that worked for you? Can you tell me about your experience with that? So far, it's been good. Um, they, I did two sets, and one of the things that I decided to do through both of those box sets, I did a box set of um, Little Mermaid retellings and one of Sleeping Beauty retellings. And so one of the things that I did was I actually created a series of fairy tale retellings uh, called the Faraway High Fairy Tale Series. So it's almost like those small-town romances where... Um, you have an independent story, and then the next book is a different character, but in the same town, and all that kind of stuff. But they can be read independently, but if you read them all, you get all the Easter eggs. So um, I actually created the series. So Falling is the first one, and it was in the Little Mermaid series, I mean, Little Mermaid box set. And then the second one in the series is called Dreamer, and I put it in the Sleeping Beauty box set. And now that they're pretty much done with those box sets at the end of December, um, I'm still going to be able to continue with that series. Um, so next fall, I'll release the next one in the series and it'll just be released as an independent title. So the really interesting thing is after I got involved with these block sets, I got involved into a very, very large collaboration project that they put together with Fairy Tales. Um, so they have a series of 52 books coming out next year, one every single week for 2020. And uh, that was a very interesting experience, but it's been great. Really, I've met some really great authors that experience. So you've been through an awful lot in your publishing experience. You've been out for two years. You've gone through quite a bit to get your books out into the world. You've had some great experiences with your box sets. In that time, you've learned quite a bit. So what advice would you have to offer to people who want to become an author but don't have a book out yet and maybe haven't started the process, but they do want to get into that? Well, so my advice probably for aspiring authors would be you need to let someone read your work. Uh, it's a really hard, hard thing to do that first time. And, uh, but people need some feedback. You can't just sit in your closet and write uh, all you want and then think that's going to be okay. You're going to need feedback from people. Like I had said before about something else, you really don't know what you don't know. Um, so you need other people's opinions, um, people that you trust, maybe get involved in a critique group. Um, or something like that. If you know you can reach out to you know local authors or other groups or aspiring writer aspiring writer groups 
um, that you can um, talk with those people and maybe get them to read some of your writing. Uh, the other thing is um, read read everything that you can, blog posts, um, go, there's a great authortube community on YouTube, um, but read everything you can about dialogue, about how you set up your middles, about um, story structure, about structuring characters. Not everything will work for you. Everybody's process and everybody's path is different, but just seeing all those other perspectives may spark something for you and may mean something. So, um, you know, you can always be tightening your prose. You can always be finding better ways to do things. You can always find different ways to plot, different ways to write. Um, but the only way you're going to find that stuff out is if you are constantly reading and constantly learning and constantly, like, trying to get better at what you're doing. Um, and just keep writing is the other thing. It can be really... Um, hard sometimes uh, thinking that, you know, you're not going to get there, but you will. My first book, I think I've written it about a hundred times now. Um, and I get good reviews on it and people like it. And, but it was a lot of work. Uh, somebody told me the first time that, how old's your character? I'm like 17. They're like, well, she sounds like she's 70. Okay. I guess we need to rewrite that. Don't we? Um, so, you know, you're going to get comments like that when you're starting out, but the fact is you're just starting out and you need to, um, you need to learn these things and it's going to take time and it's really, really slow. Um, and that's okay. That's where everybody starts. Everybody starts slow, um, at least for a little bit. Um, maybe not some people take years, some people don't take years, but it, everybody starts somewhere and starts slow. So learn as much as you can write as much as you can, and let other people read your stuff. What advice do you have for people who are brand new in the industry? So their book is coming out in the next couple of months or just recently came out? Okay, so anybody who's brand new, first off, um, try to develop your platform. If you, you know, get some social media experience out there, get to know your fans. You may think, not think you have fans, but they can come pretty quickly, actually. Um, and some of those first fans that you have can be extremely, extremely loyal um, and very helpful with you in your career in terms of uh, beta reading or helping you out or helping spread the word. Um, so getting those out there. Realize that you don't need to do everything. Figure out a couple of things that you do and do that well. If you love Instagram, be on Instagram. If you love Facebook, be on Facebook. Yeah, it'd be awesome to be on every single platform. If you can do that, fantastic, and I might want to hire you. But um, not everybody is good at all things. If you're good uh, speaking, maybe YouTube is your thing. Uh, but figure out what you're going to do. Do it well um, and stick with that and develop your fan base. There might only be a few people there to start out with, but uh, it will grow. It just takes time. Uh, the other things I would tell you is make sure that you focus, you balance between your marketing and your writing. Um, keep writing, keep working on that next book uh, because you never know that first book that comes out could be amazing or it could be a huge flop. So, you know, you got to keep working on that next thing, especially if you're doing a series because all of a sudden you're marketing for eight months and you don't have the second book out. And then now you want to take two more years to write that book on top of it. You are going to lose readers just because they're going to forget about you. Um, doesn't matter how good your book is. So um, keep writing, set up your set up your platform, and back to the reviews again, realize that not everybody is going to like your book. That is okay. Uh, the other little advice that I would give you, and 
is to find other author friends. They don't have to be actual authors or writers, but people who understand what it is to write a book and what that means and have that sounding board to be able to go back to. And you know, if someone attacks you on social media, somebody who can hold your hand and tell you not to respond because it's not going to work out very well, or you know, if you get a bad comment from your editor and you don't know how to deal with it, um, that they can kind of talk you through that um, and help you in those things. And if you can even meet up, because the internet's a great place too. You don't actually have to be in the same town as these people. You can find people who are kindred with you halfway across the world. Um, just be prepared to offer back as well. If they're going to read for you, you need to be able to read for them. If they're going to listen to your woes, you need to be able to be listening to theirs as well. So um, it's a community and I'm always striving to try and be kind and be helpful um, to other people. I know it can sometimes get competitive, especially when you see other people, you know, doing better as you see it or getting other opportunities. But the fact of the matter is, is they have their own path, you have your own, and who knows, in a year it can be completely different circumstance. So, um, you know, try to be helpful, try to be kind, um, and uh, make sure on your social media that you portray those things as well. You and I have been in the industry for a while, so what advice do you have for people like us who've been around the block? Um, for people who've been experienced with it, it's always keep learning. Um, I... I'm constantly watching things on YouTube while I'm working. I'm always, you know, I've subscribed to a bunch of blogs. I'm constantly reading books. I'm always trying to see if there's something else to make uh, my stuff better. Um, I know I don't know everything, so I can always learn. And I'm sure everybody out there doesn't know everything. There's always something that they can learn. Um, secondly, be good to your fans. Um, you know, they read your books. They spend their money. They take their time. Um, be polite to them, be helpful. And, uh, you know, if you ask them questions, try to get back to them. I know you don't, not everybody has a ton of time to be able to deal with that, but these, these people will devote their lives and tell their friends and do all these sorts of things. They're a huge asset and they're people. So, you know, I see some authors out there that do behave badly sometimes, but it's like, these are the people that are buying your books. They are the ones that are keeping you in business. So, um, you know, make sure that you're good to them and uh, make sure you're good to yourself. Uh, it's really, really, really easy to burn out in this industry, especially I find on the independent side. Um, there's always this push to get books out now faster, faster. Um, you know, everybody wants a, this whole Netflix binge everything kind of mentality. And, um, you know, there's so many authors that I've met that you know they're just so close to burning out and that's going to hurt them probably in the long run more than if they've taken you know taken a little bit slower and then be able to continue on rather than just completely having to give up for a little while because they can't handle it anymore so um you know i need to get better at it myself too but just try and take care of yourself and um try to make sure that you're not overwhelming um overwhelming your system basically and uh it'll pay off in the long run because you'll be able to continue doing what you love. And I think that's really important because you're so right. Burnout is a real thing. We push ourselves to the breaking point and it's really important to take care of ourselves and make sure we are staying on top of what we need to do while taking care of ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I know a lot of authors love to take a little me time and actually jump into other books. So 
changing gears just a tiny bit, tell me all about your books and how we can chill out and read them. Okay, so um, I have a few books out right now. Um, my debut book was Mercury Rises, and it's a retelling of Robin Hood from the point of view of Maid Marian. Um, so it's kind of got a bit of a biopunk slant to it, and I uh, use the selection series and Gossip Girl art comps for that one. So if you like those things, you'll probably like this book. Um, my second first book <laughs> was uh, Wicked Descent, which is a paranormal. So we have elemental magic, which is demons, all of that fun stuff, and a little bit of kissing. So um, it's a little bit more of like the traditional paranormal story, but I really, really like it. Um, and it always holds a special place in my heart. And then um, I have uh, the Far Away High series. So those was, were the ones that came out in the uh, Kingdom of Fairy Tales box sets. Um, so that's Falling, which is a retelling of The Little Mermaid. And then Dreamer, which is a retelling of Sleeping Beauty, but with like Celtic mythology um, as well. And I will have one coming out, um, actually another box set, but with a different group. Um, that'll be coming out in a box set in April, and then it'll release a single title in June, which is called Sleepless, and it's actually a paranormal horror, and it's about a girl who is dealing with stress-induced insomnia and accidentally becomes possessed by some amateur witches at her school. So, Wow, that is quite the array of books. Um, when people are looking to hang out with you on social media and chat about your books, because we highly encourage this, where can everyone find you? Um, usually on Instagram or Facebook most often. So on Instagram, I'm just Scarlet Cole, uh, K-O-L, for the last name there, double T, S-C-A-R-L-E-T-T-K-O-L. Now that I've spelled it. Um, on Facebook, you can go to my Facebook page, which is at Scarlet Cole Author. Um, and on there is a link to my reader group, which is Scarlet's Rebel Readers. Um, so you can join that group as well. I usually uh, get a little bit more intimate with them. Um, Sometimes they give me input for uh, character names. Um, sometimes if I'm stuck with things, they'll, they will give me input on my books. They've named two of my characters in the last uh, couple of books that I've done, so that's kind of exciting. Or I'll bounce ideas off of them uh, for various different things. Um, you can go to my website, www.scarletcool.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter. Uh, I usually send them out about once a month. Um, I am on Twitter as well, but not as often. So you can get a hold of me there, but uh, I'm, I don't hang out there as much as I used to. And that's at Scarlet Pool as well. Fantastic. Well, Scarlett, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate all of your advice today. No problem. Thank you for having me. So there you have it. A rather interesting start to getting into the publishing industry, right? If you loved today's episode, make sure you subscribe because you do not want to miss our upcoming episodes. In episode six, we're talking with author Zara Quentin. This is such a fun interview, guys. You do not want to miss it. And of course, you can come join us every single Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard on Facebook.com slash Young Adult Edition, where my co-hosts El Beaumont and Amber Ardul and I go live to talk with these amazing authors and to break down book world breaking news. We talk about new releases and we've got a bookish topic every single week. And we just initiated a brand new thing within our company. We are doing a giveaway every single episode of Young Adult Edition. So if you join us live or within 24 hours after the live and you leave some comment love within the video, we are giving away physical bookish prizes. So books, swag, candles, bookmarks to one lucky person each and every episode. So you don't want to miss out. Facebook.com slash Young Adult Edition. And you can hang out and learn more about the show at 
youngadultedition.com. And of course, hang out at heyimwriting.com for more about the podcast, behind the scenes. We may even have some exclusive bonuses over there, so make sure you check that out. It is so much fun, and we would love to have you. Now, if you're an author who would like to come on the show, please reach out and let us know. We would love to get you on for an episode. If you are a reader who would love to see a particular author on the podcast or the live broadcast talk show, we want to hear from you. Go ahead and email us or DM us. Reach out to us on social media. All of our contact is on the websites, heyimwriting.com and youngadultsedition.com. We want to hear from you, and we're going to do our best to get your favorite authors on the shows. We drop brand new episodes of Hey, I'm Writing every single Saturday. We cannot wait to see you in the next episode where we're talking to author Zara Quinton. It's going to be a fun one. And bonus, she's got a really great accent. So make sure you stay tuned. Have all the fun with us here at HeyImWriting.com. Hit the subscribe button and we will see you over on our YouTube channel, on our website, and on our social media as we're streaming live every single Monday at 10 a.m. on Young Adults Edition over on Facebook, facebook.com slash Edition, and here on the Hey I'm Writing podcast. I'm Cam Robinson, your host for this podcast, and I will see you guys again next Saturday for a brand new episode of Hey I'm Writing.